So the Queen is celebrating her Platinum Jubilee, means she's been on the throne for 70 years. It's a very long time for any monarch. I mean, think about it. Basically, her father died just after the Second World War, and she was 27 at the time, and boom, Mm -hmm. you're now the monarch. So you've got, you know, basically everything that happened after the Second World War involving Britain, you know, was and her empire involved her. People think that the queen is not powerful for some reason. I mean, they think that just because they have declared themselves ceremonial or whatever it is, they don't exert any power. And that's complete bullshit. I mean, there's no way you have centuries and centuries and centuries of power accumulate in one strain of family and then decide that, you know, in the last hundred years, we're just going to throw it all away. I mean, it's just not. Just on her amount of cash alone that the lady's got. I mean, like, come on, folks. She's powerful. She could move markets. Yeah. And probably has. And she's immune from prosecution. I mean, she she can commit crimes and no one will stop her. It's not just that she's got a lot of power. She's got complete impunity. She can do whatever she wants. And she she does maybe do whatever she wants. Maybe she does it because she thinks it's for the good of her empire. I don't know. But it seems to me that, you know, yeah, there's a little criming going on as well. Well, you know, because of the Anglican Church, she's one of the few remaining theocratic monarchs that the official story on her is that she is anointed by God. It's like Britain, the queen, God. Yeah. And most everybody else has gotten, hey, hey, look, if you're a direct report to God, I mean, that's powerful. Very, very powerful. And look, I'm not taking anything away from her. She's been a tremendous monarch. I mean, as far as monarchs go, I think she's been very effective at what she's done. And she's been generally well-liked. People do like her. She's very popular amongst her people. And she's done a lot. And look at her. Look how happy she was today as she was, you know, spending millions and millions of her taxpayers' dollars to celebrate her 70th year on the throne. You know, there are otherwise interesting family, which have all been through all sorts of scandal. These are the remaining family members she can actually appear with in, in public. Some of them because of scandal, some of them for other reasons, but these are the, the new slimmed down, as they say, monarchy. And, you know, they're mostly a reasonably popular bunch, except for the guy to her right, that's uh, Prince Charles, who's going to be the heir to the throne. Uh, Camilla, who is uh, Charles's wife, is much more popular than she used to be, partly because Charles is really not that popular because he's not really a very good guy, is Mr. Charles. I mean, Mr. Charles, the future King Charles. Turns out to be, for one thing, really good friends with Donald Trump. For another thing, quite racist. For a third thing, quite racist. Plus, he also, uh, fourth thing, quite racist. But also, amongst other things, also interferes in the running of the government, which you're not as a monarch supposed to do. But as we point out, they have power, so they do this kind of stuff. They can write letters to the minister of whatever, and they get what they want. Sometimes he even sells passports or, you know, he accepts bribes from the king of uh, you know the UAE or the king of Saudi Arabia or you know the only other person I've seen actually do that dance with that the sword other than Donald Trump with the Saudi king was Prince Charles. So interesting. Yeah, that I didn't know. They're buddies, you know. They're close. That's what happens in the king world, I guess. And here's the thing, I you know this is such a I'm going to have relatively few opinions here because they have a they, you know the one thing we I think we've learned in the geopolitical game. Um, is that empire dies hard, right? Mm-hmm. If you look at, for example, um, the role of like Macau and uh, Angola that kind of popped up yet. Isabel dos Santos was, uh, you know, uh, tied in with Israeli diamonds and Swiss banks and all this stuff. Richest woman in Africa, you know, Angola is part of the, the old Portuguese empire. Mm-hmm. Macau was given over to China in 1997. And it had up until that point, it had been part of the Portuguese empire 
And, hmm. you know, it turns out that it's this funnel for uh, cash from and to North Korea. It's North Korea's, you know, forward operating base. That's pretty interesting, right? It is interesting. And Macau's original position was across from Nagasaki. And oh, so just Portuguese, uh, you know, they made trade possible between the Chinese and the Japanese who hated each other, but still wanted to remain trading partners. So, you know, this stuff is all really old, really complicated. Hong Kong, of course, is, you know, still got British roots in there. And, uh, you know, the royals here of, you know, really of any imperial uh, family or system, you know, are going to be important. But these are people of real influence. Mm. And what are they doing for or against national security? And what is their real role and real effect? There's so much shrouded mystery there. Yeah, it, it really is interesting. The Queen, by the way, um, you actually, last time you brought up the Santos, I couldn't remember the Diamond King's name. Lev Levayev is the name of the Israeli Diamond King who, you know, has interests in diamond mining in Angola. There's also been up for all sorts of um, criminal charges, including murder for other things. But, Ooh. you know, uh, yeah, this happens. Also very close, should I mention, to Donald Trump and the Trump family because they seem to all run in the same circles. It's all enough to make you scream, right? Look at look at little Louis over here. This is the future, well, potentially a future king. That's uh, Prince Louis. On his left is Charlotte and then King George, who will be king one day. You know, which is a job maybe no one really wants. I wouldn't want that job. But right now the problem is we've got Prince Charles will be the king and he's a bit of a challenge. He's not as, you know, you and I might think certain ways about things. He thinks very differently about the world uh, and he wants to rearrange the world economy in a new sustainable economy. And he's calling it the great reset. You've heard it before. Some people are calling it the great change. It's basically his desire to change the way the world economy runs. It may be the okay. reason we've been going through all the things we've been going through in the recent past. And now the guy's 73. He's a bit grumpy. He's also got a, a challenging history in that he, how should I put this, uh, was friends with this guy, Jimmy Summer. Uh, what's this guy, Jimmy? Oh, Jimmy Savile. Savile, yes. Oh. Known for his uh, child uh, raping. I One guess. of the great yeah. monsters of the 20th century. Yeah, yes. yeah. So they're really good friends, or were at least. And not only that, he's got an interesting history of doing this a few times. He was also apparently this big uh, scandal in the Anglican church involving uh, child abuse. And Prince Charles helped cover that up as well. So... That's interesting because I think the Archbishop of Canterbury, was it? Or one of the uh, Anglican church officials came out and tried to explain how Prince An we all need to be tolerant and Prince Andrew wants to move on and oh, we yeah. should be all cool with that. And I thought, mm, but that's me. That's why Prince Andrew wasn't appearing today. Well, apparently it's COVID, but he also uh, wasn't appearing in the balcony because he no longer has any official duties because, as we all know, this is Prince Andrew and Ghislaine Maxwell from way back when as they were dating. They've been friends since they were kids. Ghislaine Maxwell, of course, of Jeffrey Epstein notoriety, and uh, we all know where that landed up uh, going with human trafficking and arms trafficking, which is what Prince Andrew did on behalf of the Queen. You know, he was a... Uh, amongst other things, a well-known arms trafficker. He had Gaddafi's kid, <laughs> his, his daughter's wedding, right? I, mean, I think so, something like that. If you want a good arms deal, Andrew'd be a good guy to hook you up. He'd be the dude if you're in that business. Better than me. Yeah, I don't know anything about arms dealing, but there you go. So uh, <laughs> this Prince Charles, he was very, very nice to his, his mom, who's ailing 96. Because there's a possibility, you know, that she does skip over him, and he really doesn't want that. So 
He's desperately being very, very nice to her about absolutely everything today on the balcony over there. And he's just determined to ascend. She's so worried about him, by the way, that she's actually made Camilla Parker Bowles the queen consort, which means she actually could ascend to be queen one day. Really? Uh, yeah, because, <laughs> because she's the only sane person who could actually manage the future king. So she's elevated Camilla Parker Bowles. Yes. To basically That's interesting. That is something I did not know. Yeah, there you go. That's good. Little information. New, so, we do news on narrative. We you know, it's really important that someone actually be there to check him because he's got some really unusual instincts, I guess. Um, anyhow, she's not like her mother. You know, her mother stepped down earlier on to let her become queen, but uh, she's 96 and she's not going anywhere. He's ready to take the throne and she's not handing it over any earlier than she needs to. That's interesting, too. Um, That's interesting. Yeah. On the other side of the picture, there's William, who pretends not to give a shit about when he'll be king, but who, who wouldn't care? <laughs> if that was your future, are you going to be like the kid of the king for the next 40 years until that guy dies, or are you going to be the king right now? You'd care. I'd care. So he cares. Well, he pretends that he's Switzerland on the topic. His wife, Catherine, very, 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 very popular. People love this woman, and uh, rightly so. She's doing, as far as monarchy goes, she does a decent job. Her hat game is fierce. Yeah, that is I mean, good. That's hat. a stylish hat. Yeah. The queen looks pretty good. I mean, you know, considering the fact that she, this is all she could do today, she won't do anything left in the Jubilee. She's basically, I think she's attending maybe the concert, but she's unable to really leave the Buckingham Palace. She's very ill. She's 96. Uh, 96. So it's going to be soon that we'll be saying King Charles, and he'll be there on the throne. And don't they make a, they make they look happy. Ted, I'm American. I really don't see the point of monarchies uh, where I, I'm from for 250 plus years. So, but you should still uh, care about the monarchy because my point is the monarchy is a very global thing and sure. it has influence in many, many different countries and many, many different interests, including the United States. You know, there's a lot of royalty in the United States. It holds a lot of wealth, whether it comes from a great person or other countries. And that's really the interesting thing about this particular family is they're not necessarily British. I mean, as far as we all know, they sort of come from the German or Prussian origin, but they're also all interconnected, as is, are all royal things, with um, other countries' royal families, including the Russians. I didn't know this until recently. And, uh, oh, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. So it turns out that, this is according to their Bible, Prince Harry, but it's not really Prince Harry, it's all of them, are related to the Romanovs through her, the Queen's ex, or the late husband, uh, Prince Philip. And it'll give you a full explanation over here. In fact, it, this is interesting that when the uh, two children, thought to be Maria and Alexei Romanov, were found in a field in 2007, the, the remains of them, it was Prince Philip's DNA that was used to identify them, which is interesting. I didn't know that. That's how close the DNA is. That means everyone who falls under Prince Philip, which is everybody from Prince Charles downwards, they're all sort of in with the Russians as well. They're in with the Russian Romanovs. And you might say, well, the, surely the Romanovs are longer in Russia, but you're wrong. The Romanovs have just recently returned to Russia, where they are now uh, running um, a new sort of monarchy, a new eager monarchy, wanting to take over the entire country, which is interesting considering we're at war with, you know, it's interesting that that's what's going on in the background of Russia. Um, so that's all interesting, just interesting stuff for people to think about as the next few days of rah-rah go on on American television and everywhere else about how wonderful this Jubilee is and, and don't Prince William and Prince Harry look like they're getting along well with each other and isn't that sweet that the kids are playing with each other? Yes, it's true, but there's all sorts of geopolitical implications to what's going on and the biggest shift in global economic policy in 70 years being proposed by a guy that some people have real questions about who's about to take over the throne in one of the biggest empires of the world um, should be a concern to people covering the story beyond the pageantry and the wonderful gossip column fodder that they provide there's a lot in there 
that's our value. What are the uh, reforms in particular that are being suggested? His idea is that, you know, and look, it's all God bless him. This idea is wonderful. We have a sustainable local economies that you only really live off what you can produce in your local environment. So he built this uh, little village based on how he thought the world would be. So it'd be like you're going to what looks like an old market, but inside would be a very modern, a sophisticated place. But everything would look like an old school village. I mean, basically it was his concept village. Yeah, look, sustainability is a very important and laudable thing, and everyone loves the idea. But if we're just going to like sort of yank the chain of all our economies and suddenly switch from being globalists to, to being sustainable, it's going to cause enormous disruptions. I mean, it's just it's a, it's a stunningly complicated thing to pull off. And you need things like war and pandemics and famine and all sorts of other things to get you there, because otherwise, how do you reset economies? They don't just reset themselves. You've got to reset them. So that to me has always been a big question mark around why he believes the Great Reset is such a big deal. But I'm probably not doing it justice. There's a lot of economic thinking around why this is the better way to go, that you only use the resources you have to produce what you need. It makes sense. Can we pull it off? I have no idea. I have no idea. I'm not an economist, but that's maybe for another day. I'm not sure Britain is royals or anybody else are going to lead the world economy. America is. So... I'm interested in hearing uh, Chuck's uh, ideas. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm wondering if the economy is going to be, if the American economy is going to be as powerful after all these attacks that we've been having in the last few years, you know, that there's so much uh, multilateral attacks going on on our economy and our political standing and our alliances and, and all that kind so of stuff. So if Chuck becomes king there, does he get the, uh, the bank accounts in Jersey? Have they peeled off all the uh, the Russian sanctioned money out of Jersey yet? You were, he Just already curious. has been. his own little county there, I guess, which is his own personal. Uh, bank account that he can just basically taxes the locals 10% or something every year and he goes directly to him. So he already has that because he's a prince, but he's going to have more. He's going to now have land uh, and title. Yeah, land and Jersey title. and a bunch of other places. And he can do what he wants to with these places. He can determine who lives in which houses. He can determine how they live. He can determine how much money he wants from them. It's really um, for people who think that the idea of dictatorship and autocracy is going to be better than democracy. This is what it looks like. It's like it's absolute corruption and it's worst, you know, where some dude, because he was born to some other dude, gets to decide where you live, how you live, and take a portion of your money just because he wants to, just because why not? Uh, Again, American. I thought we got over that. I thought we all decided that was a terrible idea. But that's, that's why America started, right? That's the whole idea behind America. It's the greatest country in the world because they threw out the royals and they just established a democracy. And now one half of the country, the one party in that country wants to return us back to the thing that we revolted against. I think the notion of authoritarianism is deep in the, in the human mindset. It's part of our, our makeup. You know, when we're children, we are vulnerable. And uh, we need saving. You know, you know, we don't have the ability to make decisions for ourselves. We would starve to death. We would probably walk out in the traffic and kill ourselves. We all start needing good authority figures. And of course, you know, you're the better authority figure you have, right? You know, nice parents and thoughtful parents and good parents, the happier you tend to be. And the more abusive and terrible those parents are, you tend to be less happy and successful throughout life. There are exceptions, but that's the thing. And as long as there is something innate in the human being, uh, we all come into this world naked and totally vulnerable, and we need somebody else to make decisions for us. There's always going to be a part of our psyche that wants somebody to take over when we're scared 
And with some, I mean, look back on 9-11 and how popular George Bush wasn't, George W. Bush wasn't prior to 9-11. And um, I was in D.C. Uh, working think tanks, doing Intel stuff. And we kind of thought George W. Bush talked like he learned English from Rosetta Stone or something. And he was, the administration was kind of a joke. And after those planes hit, we were all like, all right, man, I'm rooting for you. Do the good speech. And, you know, he did. He stepped up. It's not to say the uh, administration. That was a long two was, administrations right that there. Was bad, that was a very bad administration. I'm going to say. I mean, he stepped oh, up. Yeah. Yeah. But I'll, I'll tell you, just, I, I won't speak for everyone. Yeah. I've talked to other people who've said this before, but I was like, come on, man, I'm rooting for you. Do it because we needed a leader. Yeah. And again, I was not predisposed to like him at the time. But when we're scared, we want someone to be in charge because things are out of control and the world is a big complex place and even very influential people don't know how it's going to turn out. As long as we have that, we're going to have a, a tendency towards autocracy in some way. And I think the whole point of culture and government and uh, how we run society is uh, trying to educate our people to know that there's a tendency towards that, but that overall, we all do better when we share power, when we have rule of law, when we have peaceful transfer of power. And that we are not going to be saved by a warlord. I love what you're saying, because the, the truth of it is, the reason we have so much fear pumped into our system, and I do believe it's artificially pumped into our system, is in order to create an environment where dictators can rise. You know, the minute you take away, you limit supplies of anything, whether it's baby formula or oil or air, you name it. The minute that supplies get limited, people start looking after their own quite quickly. They get worried about, well, am I going to be able sure. to do this next month or, or next year? So I'm going to protect my family first and then maybe my community. And so you create these, this fear and you create these enemies on these, you know, on the outside that are coming to get you, you know, whether it's the Muslims or the blacks or you name it, they will find a way of saying to you, be scared of this looming thing that's coming for you. And that fear in itself will drive you to protect yourself and your communities. And that itself will lead you to kind of a dictatorship, which I think is sort of where we are. We're sort of seeing that anthropologically, at least that's what it feels like we're going through right now. Thank you for spending your time with Narrative and stay tuned. There's much more to this conversation in our next episode. Narrative is made possible by viewers and listeners like you who join at patreon.com forward slash narrative. Join today and support truly independent journalism. Patreon.com forward slash narrative.